Hello, and welcome to the Oscar Went To, the podcast that looks back at a year in film and sees what films endured, what films didn't, and attempts to figure out why. Please give it up for your masters of ceremony, Max Salim and Nick Mestad. Well, I want to get right into it, but before we do, just how you doing? It's good to see you. Good to see you too. It's been a while. You know, it has been a while. We've uh, had a little bit of trouble being regular lately, but I think for the mm-hmm. listeners, this will seem regular because you we we have one in the canon still. Yes, to get yes. out. So yes. we don't need to do like a big, uh, uh, a big recap. Re- yeah, yeah re- return episode. Um, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Oscar Went To. This week as a supplement to our 1996 episode, we are getting our scuba gear on and doing a deep dive into the 1996 hit blockbuster film, Mission Impossible, directed by Brian De Palma. I'm Nick. I'm Max. On this podcast, we like to look back at a year in film and decide what has aged well and what hasn't and try to figure out why. If that sounds interesting to you, jump back a few episodes in our feed and check out our recap of 1996. And then after our recap episode, we like to jump in into the depths and take a closer look at some of the films that piqued our interest from that given year. A quick disclaimer, our deep dive episodes are no holds barred and we will absolutely be in a spoiler territory. So if you haven't seen the original Mission Impossible. We highly recommend you see that before you listen to this episode if you don't want things spoiled. Um, okay, boiler pl- boilerplate complete. You know, I've been um, I've been told that, and I think I brought this up before that our our a problem our podcast has is that our voices are similar, and sometimes people have a hard time distinguishing. Mm, but I forgot about this note. Yeah, but I guess like as your voice atrophies and and gets deeper <laughs> and changes, maybe this will be remedied. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I think my my main problem with my voice, my vocal damage is that like, like people are like, I'm not incentivized to do anything about it because people are like, oh, it sounds kind of cool. And so I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'll see an ENT in three years. Um, so don't give me more reason to not take care of my voice, Max. Okay. <laughs> um, Mission all right, setting the table. Tell me. Mission Impossible. So Rotten Tomatoes, it's uh, at a 66%. Metacritic, it's at a 59%. IMDb holds it at a 7.1 out of 10. And it has a 3.5 on Letterboxd. Um, this, uh, I, I mean, I, I I will reveal my hand to the listeners. I angled to, to for us to do this movie as a deep dive. It holds a special place in my heart. Um, but Max, what was your what was your experience with this movie before watching it for this for the podcast? I mean, I'd definitely seen it before. Um Honestly, like, am I one, two, three, sort of all blend together a little bit for me? Um, So I definitely seen this before, and I think it was at an age where I didn't stand. So we were, what, nine when this came out? Yeah, yeah. I would guess that I was, you know, nine, 10, 11 the first time I saw it. And I think I stood Mm -hmm. no chance at being able to follow the plot. So the things that really that I really remember, you know, are like the set pieces, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the, the whole Prague sequence. And then where are they in Virginia? Yeah. Langley at Langley. Okay. For, yep. for the, the, and that's the most iconic scene of the movie. Yeah, for sure. And for so sure. that's what I remember. And then of course, um, suction cupping, cupping to the top of the train in, in the final sequence. So, Yes, I mean that 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 all makes sense, and like I, I hadn't like clocked it that we were nine when when this came out, but again, that's like such a formative uh, age. Um, 
because I remember as I was watching it, and I've seen this movie so many times. I I I um I first remember uh, this movie fell into the category of um it was one of those movies where I heard so much about it from my friends in elementary school. Like I remember like one kid being like, yo, so they have this gum in it. Like I remember being in Cub Scouts and like this kid being like having like a piece of double mint and he's like, he's like, he's like red light, green light. And he like pushed it together and he like described what that was to me before I saw the movie. Another kid described that like Emilio Estevez, like getting spiked in the face on the elevator. Like, and it was just like, damn, like I got to see this movie. This sounds crazy. Um, and I remember I saw it in theaters with my dad. We saw, we would often see like uh, the like last Apple Valley theater was like the last run movie theater. So this movie came out in May of 96. Um, so we must have seen it like in the fall or whatever. Uh, but I remember seeing it in theaters uh, with my dad, uh, liking it. And then for whatever reason, I got it on VHS from my grandparents, like for Christmas. Like I, it was just like, a, am not sure why. Like I think I, it checked some box or whatever, but I got it. And so I had this on VHS. So I saw it a, a, like a ton growing up. Like I watched it and rewatched it and rewatched it. Um, and it's like it's a uh, it's been a while since I've seen it, but it is like the rhythms of it and the moments of it are like really embedded in me. Like even like um, like th- like the Tom Cruise stuff of like uh, I wish I could do a visual example of this for the listeners, but Tom Cruise like a low angle on Tom Cruise as he like kind of uh, exasperatedly holds his uh, hands to his face and like rubs his hands like aggressively like over his face through his hair and he's just like wide-eyed like that shit like i I love it and like all of his stuff uh i mean just like yeah there's the specific we can get into it like fave scenes moments um organically here but like generally speaking what tom cruise is doing in this movie i'm a huge huge fan of and i feel like is like was my introduction to tom cruise uh for for the rest of of um I don't know. It was a nice intro to, to, to Tom Cruise, the movie star. That I mean, that should we just do that? Should we just do the Tom Cruise conversation right now? Have we done the Tom Cruise conversation before on this podcast? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. This is good. I wasn't even planning on. I didn't even like realize that we haven't done it on the podcast because let's absolutely do it. Um, I mean, so have we done a Tom off. Cruise mo- movie before? I'm um, trying to think back. We have. I don't think so. Because we have no, because we've talked about we've talked about a couple of them, but I don't think we've actually done one. Okay, so I mean, my Tom Cruise thing is that mm-hmm. I feel like I I feel like he's an easy target for people to dislike. Of course, and yes. I mean he's generally polarizing. I feel like people either yeah. love love Tom Cruise or hate Tom Cruise. You, yep. you agree with this? I do. I think like I think. Um, I'll let you finish your, your, your thought. I will say that I think that like it was different when he had his like couch, jumping the couch moment. Like that was like a polarizing time, but I think he's like evened out ge- to the general populace since then, but go ahead. But sure. yes, generally speaking. And, yeah. and I, I think another common, uh, another common take is Tom Cruise is not a good actor. I hear this a lot too. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. And I think that he's so I, maybe there's a little credence to that, um, that he's not a very like subtle actor in a lot of ways that he like he's a movie star. And like when he's on For the sure. screen, your eyes are going to go to Tom Cruise and he's going to like really yes. control 
uh, his screen time in a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think you can say that about e- whatever performance you want to pick. Um, mm-hmm. But I just like, I don't have time for people who are like, Tom Cruise is a bad actor because it's just like, he's no. been, <laughs> in fact, I get like really irritated by it. And I like really feel the need to like stand up for Tom Cruise. I because, like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, okay, Mission Impossible, like whatever. There's a lot of movies you can say like, that's a blockbuster action movie. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a, he's a movie star and mm-hmm. you can be sort of neutral about it. But like Jerry Maguire, also 1996, Big year for mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. Very different Wild. parts. Yeah. Um, yep. Color of Money, I love. Rain Man is mm-hmm. awesome, and he mm-hmm. should have been nominated or won an Oscar for, for Rain Man. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else came out that year off the top of my head, but that's a great performance. Mm-hmm. Eyes Wide Shut. Um, of course. Uh, Magnolia, obviously. Also 99-99, <laughs> right? Magnolia and Eyes Wide yeah. Shut. Another big year for Tom. Damn, dude. Okay, yeah. And then Damn. I love... Uh, I love Day After Tomorrow. So his filmography. Uh, War of the Worlds, you mean? Yeah. No, Day After Tomorrow, I mean. Oh, I'm so sorry, dude. Yeah, dude. Wait, no. No, Edge of Tomorrow. Wait, what's Day After Tomorrow? Is that anything? Day After Tomorrow, is that is that like um, Roland Emmerich disaster uh, movie? With a... Okay, yeah, no. Ed- Edge of Tomorrow slash Live, I got Die, you. Repeat. Yes. Which is a huge blind spot for me. God, yes. I love that movie. Anyways, it's just like. Yeah, if you pick out a single Tom Cruise movie, maybe you can build some sort of argument that he's like not believable in, in some particular roles. But I think if you look at his filmography as a whole, he has like, yeah, he's been in he's he has been in and anchored like at least a dozen excellent movies, objectively yes. great movies. So yes, rant over. God bless you, Tom Cruise. Yeah, we're 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 on the same side uh, of the argument here. What I'll add to this is because I don't know that I'm super familiar with the camp that's saying that he's a bad actor. Now that you're saying that, I get why people would say that. Be- simply because he's like he's at a politician level of fame. Like he's so. I mean, he's a global movie star, and like to be that level of fame, like you're gonna have like people dissenting and hating, like naturally. Um, but what I will say is, especially I found myself kind of, especially kind of what he's become because he's obviously had phases in his career and obviously like, you know, the most, the the, the War of the Worlds era when he was doing that promotion, that's when he did the couch jumping stuff and all, you know, the the, the um, um, Matt Lauer interview, it was just like a bunch of like crazy stuff where he like had a kind of a sea change in his like public perception these movies that we're talking about, like this year he had in 1996 where he's doing Jerry Maguire and Mission Impossible in 99 where he's doing Magnolia and Eyes Wide Shut, uh, 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 you know, and he was working with Spielberg through the 2000s. And since kind of the like 2010s, and I know we've talked about this in person, not on the podcast, but he's like, he doesn't do the like, um, uh, he doesn't really do movies that he's in his lane. And his lane is fucking great and satisfying, but he is staying in that lane. He's not doing Jerry Maguire's. He's not doing Vanilla Skies now. He's doing very big action controlled movies that are fairly consistently absolutely phenomenal. Um, Mission Impossible being like the kind of uh, uh, um, um, crown jewel of what he's doing. But what I will say also is is him doing his own stunts has become 
very much a part of like what he does and what he's what reason why like audiences are going to see him is partially because it's like yeah did you know tom cruise actually jumped out of a of a plane and they like got this shot he's doing like absolutely insane stunts for these movies and what i really like about this uh is because it feels like he's using his the rarefied air that he's in as a actor which is like a global movie star he's using that position to like give audiences something really special and unique which is like no, I'm actually in the cockpit of this fighter jet doing crazy stunts for the new Top Gun or I'm, you know, whatever the stunts are. I really like what he seems to be like very intentionally doing, which is like giving audiences a reverential spectacle that is like, here is cinema. I'm in this rare position to like control like what I'm doing, what kind of set pieces are in my movies, the experience I'm giving the audience uh, as an actor, it, it feels like he takes that very seriously and like gives the audiences like, especially like in recent years, a very consistent like that was like that that was like a, a really great, special, surprising, awesome, goosebump inducing uh, experience. Uh, so I really dig wh- how he's using his position. And the the last thing I'll say, you're right. In the last 10 years, he has really stayed in his lane. But the last thing I'll say is that I do feel like when people achieve a level of stardom that he has achieved that they mm-hmm. um, tend to want to control. They don't take a lot of risks is what I'm saying. Like Will Smith is someone yep. that comes to mind, mega, mega superstar. But mm-hmm. I mean, what great directors Will Smith worked with where with Tom Cruise, I think you can make an argument that he's that, that he does take risks and he does, you know, go into movies, go into roles, um, where where he cannot completely control the narrative, and, and he gets pushed by these directors like uh, Kubrick, Scorsese, PTA. Uh, I'm sure there's others that Barry Levinston. So, mm-hmm. um, well, uh, sorry, I, I'm not quite getting your point. You're saying the difference between him and Will Smith is what? I'm saying that uh, when people reach a level of stardom, they tend to not take risks and not work with you know difficult directors to work with that are going to push them in in certain ways got it and okay he really in earlier in his career definitely dove into that for sure that early i mean earlier career i mean first 20 years of his career first yeah 25 years of his career no no doubt and i you know i also don't want to imply like I feel like me saying staying he's staying in his lane is like um implying that he's not a risk taker i think he is I mean, his lane is a really great. Uh, it is, but his last lane. movies are Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, Mission Impossible, Jack Reacher, Mummy, Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. Top Gun, Mission mm-hmm. Impossible, Mission Impossible. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Anyways, yeah. let's talk about the movie. And uh, but I, I think we're in. Yes, we're, 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 we agree on our feelings about Tom Cruise. For sure. Um, all right. Well, let's start with uh, just fave scenes moments. This is a movie that has a lot of them. Also, like, and we can, you know, I think in this episode, it's a nice, like, you know, this is the first movie in what is uh, really developed into a really interesting and long uh, franchise that has, like, morphed and changed and, like, is still very much relevant uh, today. So it's interesting to, like, kind of go back to Ground Zero and, like, watch this movie because it is bizarre when taken in the context of what the series is in contemporary um, 
the, in, in, in contemporary standards. Um, all right, so Fave Scenes Moments, I mean, like, this movie has a ton of them. I think, like we already referenced, the most iconic for sure is the vault uh, suspended in the air, him being an inch from the floor. Um, I mean, I remember, like, playing this as a kid. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, for sure. I, mean, I think everyone's done this. Did they not have motion detectors <laughs> back then, though? This is what I was thinking last night. I, so when they were setting up uh, the... Also, the direction of this movie is really cool and interesting because it's like when they were setting up, when he was describing like the parameters of the vault and we're getting like the visual kind of walkthrough of of it, I really dug. But one of the things is like, I was wondering this too because they have the lasers above the vent or in the vent, but they have that one thing that they kind of zoom in on that's like a pointy sort of like, I don't know, thing that's like on the desk that's like, I don't know if that was supposed to be a motion detector or a temperature, like a thermometer I wasn't sure, but I was like with you here where it was like, it felt like kind of like, man, they have all this tech and yet motion isn't taken care of. Like <laughs> it feels like a big blind spot. One thing I really like about that scene that I noticed last night is that it's completely silent. And I think that's a good direction to take it. Um, it doesn't yep. seem like the normal mid nineties Hollywood direction to take a scene like that. Um, mm, mm, but it mm. was really effective as, as it played out. For sure. I mean, the tension, that's a really good call. The, the tension of it was like very high. Like that's like, you felt like you can't breathe, you know, while it's like happening. It's very good. And they do like a really fun job. Like the, the, the movie does have a sense of humor. Like it, like they have fun, like kind of playing with it and like going like a little crazy. I remember seeing this movie when I saw this movie in theaters, it was fairly empty, but it was me and my dad. And then there was like a group of like, I don't know. They were probably in my head. They were like, old but like they're probably 40 but it was like four 40 year old like dudes like sitting in the row or two in front of us and i remember when the like when they're unscrewing the vent screw and like that little like thing comes up and catches the screw <laughs> i remember one of those guys being like <laughs> automatic screw catcher and that for whatever reason is lodged in my brain you say it in your um, head often yeah, I mean, not often, but it is like one of those things where it's like, um, it's like when you see a bottle cap that's like, like been cemented into the sidewalk where it's like, yeah, somehow that got there. Um, so yeah, but, but I feel like that moment is like a wink of like, look at this, like hyper specific tech. Uh, but it, yes, anyway, so, but this, that, that sequence really is something. And in the, in the brief research that I was doing, and this also kind of, um, uh, uh, explains something about the convolution of the plot uh is that De Palma uh uh had set pieces in mind that the script was roughly built around um and I and this was undoubtedly like definitely one of them this is like it's like someone had an idea for this scene and then was like what's a movie we can yeah. make around this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it truly it feel like that uh, at times yeah, yeah. Yes, it's like in the dead center of the movie and just like a fucking half hour of setup and like in it. Um, but it fucking works and I like that. I mean, it's a fun thing. Um, what else you got? Also, shout out to the guy who uh, who is the one using the vault, the like Langley employee who's using the vault who I don't think has a single word except vomit noises. It's kind of fun. Oh, yeah. he. But but he's he's iconic in his own right, you know. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I watching. I feel this, like I, I would like, like if I saw him on the subway, I'd be like, "Oh shit, dude!" 
This movie is like full of people. Even you saying seeing that dude on the subway, I feel like that is. I can see that in this movie, like shot in this movie. Like I feel like it's like he is like because he's just like observed. Like that's what he is. He's like someone you just like look at, and it's like oh, it's that dude. Um, what do you got? What do you got for scenes moments? I I love the whole Prague. Uh, part I was singing about you movie. Yeah, yeah i was singing about you no because yeah, i did so what, i did live in prague uh for for 10 months or so and um mm-hmm. so it's nostalgic for that but it's also just like kind of a great setting to like start this this movie off this like espionage thriller it's it's eastern europe but it's after the wall fell but there's still like you know some uh it still feels like there, there's some like spy shit going on in the city and it, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. place to shoot um, and yeah, I mean, I just generally think that that, like, I just like all the interiors. Um, I love the phone booth that he's in. That scene is ridiculous oh, when yes. he's in the phone booth, but it's like kind of dude. amazing at the same time. Dude, dude. I mean, of what I was talking about earlier, of like what Tom Cruise is doing in the movie can be distilled down to that phone booth scene, dude. The fucking him, like him. Oh man. I mean, him screwing the unscrewing and screwing in the like receiver thing i like that that tactile thing i has stuck with me for my entire life like how he like screws it in and like it it's it's great and then i love the i love where him and kidridge meet in that aquarium yes. bar i mean that place <laughs> yes. is amazing i like i needed Incredible. it to stay on the establishing shot for like 10 more seconds so i could really yes, soak it in Dude, the sign for the restaurant alone is like a, it's like a fucking Cirque du Soleil poster. Like it is so great. And Kittredge, oh man. So, and that scene, I, that's, it's great. (laughs) That scene is really like, yeah. Okay. That scene, I feel like in a vacuum is horrible, you know, but like in the world of this movie, it's like amazing. If that makes any sense. Like I really like that scene and how like De Palma, I also hate when like, like Dutch angles in movies. I like really Dude. like hate Dutch angles, but for some reason, this might be the one exception where it's like, it's just becoming okay. more and more unsettling. And it's just like close up, sweaty close ups. And Dude, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to um, break precedent here and, and just state my MVP for the, for this. And it's at the Dutch angle because <laughs> like this movie is like, it's like inexplicable like how it's like because it's like so it's like throughout the whole movie like at every almost everything is a dutch angle and it just like works somehow and also like it's it's like cheesy zoom-ins and stuff when he's just like he's like waiter behind you know uh the guy who was the waiter (laughs) five o'clock and it's like what are you talking about like even watching it now because i remember going into the movie i don't know if my dad like like preface it for me but I remember being like I hear it's like hard to follow like it's like complicated and I remember like it's like rewatching this it's like oh yeah that's because it doesn't really make sense like this stuff is like the dude behind her her, okay so that's him like but what does that even mean like what does that even imply (laughs) and he's still using like like, o'clock about things that happened three hours (laughs) before (laughs) he's like I fucking love it yeah he's like the other IMF agent 12 o'clock of like where he was standing in the place is like, well, that is irrelevant. And I think to this conversation, but dude, and, and I mean, yes. And truly, I mean, we, and like the, like low angles of, of Kittredge also shout out to Kittredge. I've for, like completely forgot about him, but the cadence and like his whole thing in this movie is like, you want to dance with the devil. That's fine by me, but you're not going to let is like so good. Also, 
this isn't a spoiler because I think um, um, uh, is Macquarie, who's the director, writer, director of the Mission Impossible. Frank McQuarrie, yeah. Yeah, he posted on Instagram this. Uh, I think Kittredge is back in the next mission. Oh Possible. shit! Nice. <laughs> yes, he like put. Yes, I'm. I'm fucking stoked. Um, but yeah, that scene is great. Also, uh, reading up on it, like that was also something Tom Cruise like fought for, like to have in the movies. Like we should, we need like a kind of a big set piece. And so they're like, let's do a huge aquarium restaurant. Um, love it, and it's like such a short scene too. Like it's like. And it's also wild that Kittred has never addressed how Kittred survived that. That's true, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm like, I, that didn't stick out to me, but like, as we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, it's like never, like, he's not even like toweling off the next time we see him. I would love that if he was like, yeah, I mean, there's like, spits out like a fish. <laughs> there's some, I, I mean, yeah, there, there, there are some questions that are kind of tough to answer. They're best to just kind of gloss over. In this movie, for, I, 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 yes, even me saying that, I don't want to imply that because like, that did not occur to me, and nor it, it shouldn't be addressed. Like it does, it's not like this isn't the movie. That's not a weak point. It's like the reality of the movie, and it works. Um, also, just like fave like things in this movie, kind of going back to that phone booth scene. Dead, they're all dead, <laughs> and uh, my team is dead. Um, but the tactile things in this movie, I fucking love like that phone, uh, receiver thing where he screws it in the knock list, like floppy disc, like the fucking sounds that it makes and how he uses it throughout this movie. I was just like, I wanted like, they could have sold a toy that was like, this is the knock list. And it was just like a plastic floppy disc. Like, and I would have eaten it up. Like I loved the like tactileness of the, of this movie. Yeah. I mean, it's worth talking a little bit about the tech in this movie because it's, uh, it's not sci-fi. It's not happening in the future, you know, but it's like very good tech for the time. And it's just funny. Like I was thinking like if someone in 2003 was watching this movie, they would be like, Oh, yeah, right. Like they just have like HD streaming video, like going like through the call. air. But yeah, <laughs> like that's totally come to fruition. Um, yeah, the uh, the internet in 1996. I mean, what were you, were you online in 96? Not in 90s. Not 96. I. It might have been right around like 97, 98. I I think when my dad started, he like had a work laptop that we would sometimes be able to like kind of goof around on okay but how about you yeah i mean i i feel like i was i did have some aol going on around this mm-hmm. time but is this like what mm-hmm. the internet looked like or is this just like a hollywood internet at the time so this is like i mean in this movie is like the king of this where it's like uh in all action movies I feel like all crime programs are just like the most visual thing on the planet. And like as audiences, it like it just works. But like really thinking about like like when they have Ethan on the phone when he's calling from London and they're like it's like 30 seconds before they can like track him. We like literally see in the background in two different columns on a huge screen, like the countdown. And it and it's just like it's like this is the program that we're using. Like this is what we're using the entire screen of this Langley like uh, investigative like room to like this is like we're everyone in the room is like uh-huh 10 9 and like all the stuff where it's like all the disavowed imf agents is just like a huge like list and stuff where it's like oh this is just like showing us everything all the time like it's amazing uh but yeah i'm glad you brought up a floppy disk are those even called floppy disks or are they i don't know I, as what I, are those called 
I think it's because it's like CDs or CDs. I think and you could were, call floppy. No, no, because I feel like the floppy disk was actually floppy. And then floppy? there was like a disk that they had in this where you could like, you remember you could like pull back the metal piece and it yes. would snap yes. back into place. Yes. You're saying that's what a floppy disk no, is? No, what is that? That's a floppy disk. I just Googled it. Okay. I thought a floppy disk were literally the floppy ones. I It, it may have morphed. Um but I mean, Google is, yeah, Google is like, it's all what we're talking about here. It's the knock list like thing. But I think it morphed from something that was actually floppy, like a, that square kind of like. Yes, that's thing what that I actually also floppy. remember. I think the name just like stuck when they got like plastic. Okay, so floppy disks, plastic floppy disks. I wish mm-hmm. that I could, like I sit at my computer right now and I do have like little like data things around me you know i got an external hard drive over here and then i got some like sd mm-hmm. cards and shit and if i could just mm-hmm. replace all of these with one of those flop like with floppy disks that i could put in my laptop as archaic as it might be i think i would do that because there was something so satisfying about all the snaps you know of everything dude, and the way he yes. clicks in and shit yes dude even him like typing on the computer when he's like when he when he's first like alone in Prague after everything's gone to shit and he's like trying to fucking figure it out and he's tired and rubbing his eyes and the clicking of the keys and stuff I'm all about and like the kind of chunky laptop oh man fucking great when he's like emailing max it's great yeah what what is the email address to it's like at job uh, space <laughs> 315 <laughs> dude that's another thing too. can't have fucking spaces like the, in uh email addresses no Christ. no and like the way that works like where it's like that's how he cracks it is like he just like sends an email off and like has like b- a biblical reference in it and the fact that that works is like wow good for you ethan that he good doesn't get a bounce like, it's like the dawn of the internet yeah. he doesn't get a bounce back email from any of these six that he sent and then he just like falls a asleep and it's like new new email <laughs> It's like, all right, solved. Glad we got that taken uh, care of. Yeah, glad there wasn't even like every any character in the email address like didn't what was correct in this hail mary of like maybe this will work. Incredible. Um, also, I mean, before we move on from from you know, see, we can't not reference that train sequence. It's just uh, it. I feel like people like. It's not referenced as much, but like rewatching it here and at the time that at, at the time, like when, you know, this was out and I was watching it, that was the sequence. That was everything. I mean, it fucking like that was the action sequence to me as a kid where it's just fucking hanging onto a bullet train and explosions and in a tunnel with a helicopter. Like, again, the amount of times that I like played out that scene in my basement growing up is innumerable. And that and that is that is what Mission Impossible has become become you know Mm -hmm. that is like Mm -hmm. the that is like the aesthetic of mission possible two three four five six seven eight um dude that's so real that yes it is that's the that's the 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 germ (laughs) one thing though i will say about that is watching john voight attempt to like run to the rescue (laughs) and like i mean i can't even believe they let that on screen like he looks so like just hobbled and like out of shape and then to see him like (laughs) suction cupping himself like along a bullet train is like no 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 there's a lot of stuff i'll let slide in this but john voight like somehow hanging onto this train um it's a tough one for me for sure. And and I mean, the fact that that's quickly followed by a train getting sucked into a tunnel and then the cut to like, all right, the train, the, the, the helicopter's OK in the tunnel, like it, it, it's like some pretty it's a it's a pretty big swing 
Um, even watching it now, I was like, okay, all right, all right. Like at the time, I didn't clock it. And they also like, just like blatantly like, and again, I don't have a problem with this. I love it. But the fact that like when the, when they're in the in the tunnel and the other train goes by in the other direction, we never get a shot of the helicopter because the helicopter would be fucking toast. Uh, I mean, it's these, just like never like looked at these things. I mean, I guess we're kind of in picking nits at the same t- like, uh, sorry, what do we call this? Uh, S- splitting hairs. Yeah. Splitting hairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. You should cut that out because I think what mo- there's a rewatchables. They do picking, picking nits. nits. Yeah. Okay. While yeah. we're while while we're splitting hairs. um, I guess we've sort of transitioned to splitting hairs, but at the same time, I feel like this movie, that's part of the fun of the movie. Yes. Is yeah. like this stuff Absolutely. we're talking about. So mm-hmm. in a different way than most movies, like you just let, like you have such a suspended disbelief to begin with, like from scene yes. one of this movie that, yeah, that, that this, this becomes part of the game. The, the, the absurdity of a lot of this stuff. For sure. And like, you know, as we're talking about splitting hairs, I don't have anything for splitting hairs because it is the type of thing where it's like exactly what you're saying, where it's like there is stuff like what we just talked about where it's like, yeah, that doesn't work. But it's like I don't have a problem with it, like watching it. It's like, oh, yeah, look at that. But like it's like, yeah, I'm fine with it. Like it does a really good job of just like creating a reality where it's like, yeah, this is like heightened. And I want and we know that you want to see action. So we're going to give you action and it's going to be in like a kind of a self-serious way. But also like, you know, it's a take it or leave it. And it and it like really works. Yeah. But um, this movie does a good job, too, of like I feel like, you know, the 90s action movie thing is I don't it's not always for me. Um hmm. But like this movie does, even even if the plot is sort of like incomprehensible at at certain moments, it sort of mm-hmm. does. It's not pure action. You don't get these like just like oh no. my god, my like eyes are bleeding from this action sequence right now. Um, mm-hmm. They use it sparsely and they use it well, and kind of like really all the action parts of this movie are sort of iconic, as we've said. Truly. I mean, it does a really, I mean, kudos to the movie for it's like, cause the, it, I mean, it truly is just like very, uh, intentional and deliberate separate set pieces that are like the sequ- action sequences and like the stuff in between it is like, you know, risks being like too slow and it never is. It's always compelling. There was like a moment where it's like when him and John, when he discovers that John Voight's still alive, their conversation, I was kind of like, let's speed this up a little bit. But I that agree. was like really yeah. the only moment that it's, I was like feeling that. That's, that's, I think we're onto something if you felt that too, because it, right when you brought this up, I thought like, oh, well, kind of when John Voight comes back, I'm a little bit like, you know, my eyes got a yeah. little bit heavy, but yeah, that's real. Um, talking points. One more uh, splitting hair. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Voight, I got to kind of split hairs with a little bit here. Fair. He's Fair. like, yeah. he's a good actor for sure. Mm-hmm. And, no but, and he is really sparsely used in this movie. Like when you think about it, he doesn't have that many like scenes. And, yeah. you know, so maybe like I'll give him a pass, like as an actor. Like I think maybe just like kind of the role and the tone of the movie sort of pigeonhole him into some choices but i find it would be sort of like outrageous when he's like when they're like when like emilio Estevez and like tom cruise are like giving him a hard time about like his like swanky hotels he stays in and stuff is like a ridiculous scene the fact that his wife is 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 claire it's like wait 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 wild yeah 
this girl looks like she's 22 and you look like a fucking creepy old man. Like what is going on? Yeah. Yes. A waterlogged bag. Yeah. (laughs) Drake hotel, Chicago. (laughs) Also don't remember that being like a callback to the Gideon's Bible thing. So that was like good to, good to see that as an adult. Um, any other splitting hairs? The, that was the last one I needed to sneak in there. That's that is fair. He is like uh, he's he's vanilla, um, and it, it's just it's definitely like okay, here's a big classic star that we need uh, in this movie. Um, okay, talking points. I think I referenced this when we did our 1994 episode, but this movie is such a dense example of it's truly a victory lap it's supporting characters are a victory lap for every or so many 1994 breakout like stars like ving rames from pulp fiction um uh jean reno from the professional um uh what's her name from four weddings and a funeral uh, 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 uh um um uh christian scott thomas um, well, speaking of big years, what else do we know mm-hmm. Kristen Scott Thomas from, Nick? Um, I'll be embarrassed if I'm wrong about this, but I think I'm right about this. Oh, English Patient. Right, yeah. Which was this year, right? It was, but is she in that? Yeah, she's the she's the the love interest. She's like the co-lead. Good call. Good call. Looking very different. Forgot about but, that. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be a huge uh, blemish on uh, uh, or blind spot for me. Uh, great call, huge year for her. I mean, so, so then it makes sense. Okay, so yeah, she has a really nice trajectory after for from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, but yeah, I was like blown away by like, oh, this is truly just like, I mean, every this is a big Hollywood movie that when they were casting it, we're like, okay. Who, who's 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 at the top of the list right now and it's like boom 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 and they just like have them and it's like really fun and, to see and good 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 screenwriting slash storytelling to uh to, to kill them all off in the first 30 minutes because it really i even forgot after having seen this before obviously like oh wow they're all dead yeah. his team yeah. is all dead they're all dead um well and ving rames i mean like still still I mean, uh, an absolute uh, 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 player in the franchise. I oh, mean, yeah. he's like maybe next to Tom Cruise in terms of like how many he's been in. Um, would love a, a reappearance from Jean Reno, but I'm just realizing as I'm saying this sentence that he died in a helicopter crash. Um, uh, in the movie, not in real life. Both. Um, Whoa. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's my main my main talking point. I also, oh, also, um, sorry, do you have a talking point? I don't mean to. Talking points. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll throw some talking points out there. One is that we're gonna. You, you want to talk about Brian De Palma a little bit here? Uh, yeah. What my yeah my sort of point kind of dovetails into Brian De Palma. Um, <clears throat> what's your familiarity with De Palma? I'm not as I probably should be higher. I've never like truly like loved any of his movies. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think that he is like an auteur definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. it was good that this movie had him 
at the helm yeah. of it because this movie really does have like an aesthetic and a style that sort of differentiates itself. It's very like Hitchcock in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, like yes. with the split diopter when like everything's in yeah. focus and stuff and like mm-hmm. just some of the, the red herrings. And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that was really well served for the movie because this is the first movie of the franchise and it really kind of differentiated itself from a lot of other a lot of other action movies in a time when action movies were um ubiquitous. Uh for sure. The the thing the thing I kind of wrote down was uh that that really differentiates this movie from the rest of the franchise is that it's like and it's also kind of for my money kind of a forgotten type of movie but it's like a paranoia movie yes. where it's like it kind of reminded me of like movies that i've seen from the 70s where it's like this paranoia is like so pervasive especially in the first half of the movie um that it's like it's almost like it almost like is before action you know like it's like a paranoia movie first and so that was really interesting to me watching this is like that and i think that comes from him i've i i, I similarly i haven't seen a lot of his filmography i saw uh, blow out which this reminded me of where it's like, that's our super parent, like a lot of paranoia and like looking around and, you know, can't trust anyone. Um, but it's fun. It like works and it like does have this kind of like throwback feeling. Like even to your saying, I hadn't thought about the Hitchcockian thing, but that is totally right. Especially with like the European sort of espionage element combined with the paranoia. It's like that is front and center for, for so much of the movie aside from the action sequences and it works. It's fun. It's like, I think, um, at least what the Mission Impossible franchise kind of was before Macquarie um, took over was that it was like sort of like an auteur director doing each one and sort of intentionally like each one of them had a different flavor to it uh, in a really nice way. And I think this like as the first one like really sets a nice precedent for it's like it leans into like the kind of thumbprint of the director, which is like really fun to see, especially in the context of of, of um, what the what the franchise becomes is like it works and it's 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 fun and it's like not it feels dated technically but not in like a um uh, a way that sort of ostracizes the audience like it was like a really nice um 1996 movie talking point is this the quintessential 90s action movie uh no i don't think so speed is trick question speed uh, <laughs> yes speed speed All, i Pop mean quiz hot shot. Yeah, i mean I mean, speed is speed is the unsung uh, uh, quintessential. No, nice I'm starting a revolution movie. here. Fuck Die Hard. I just watched Die Hard. I mean, not really fuck Die Hard, but like speed is king of the '90s right now. Well, Die Hard was an '80s movie though. The first, the original Die Hard was like '89. Really? I think. Yes, I would guess it's later. Um, but I'm looking up right now. We also um. We are talking in this year. The Rock comes out, and to me, The Rock is definitely in the conversation. We just have to acknowledge The Rock uh, as a, a, a. There's a conversation. It's in the conversation for for quintessential '90s uh, action movie. Um, Die Hard's '88. You're right. I would have definitely thought like '92, '93. But the the um, director of the original Die Hard directed Speed, so you know they are the the DNA is there. Jan Debat? Yeah. Jan Debat. No, he shot Die Hard. Oh, he was the DP? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've Who gone over that? this. Jan Debat has like only directed like three movies. He's been a DP on like 30 movies. He only directed three movies and 
one of them is speed one is twister so oh man how did i forget about this incredible right and the and the third shall not be named <laughs> you're really pushing me right now okay i will i will get yon to bond we're, <laughs> no, on, no, a, no, we're no. on a tangent right now and i'll reel us yeah. back in director okay oh speed two cruise control oh the haunting and then laura croft tomb raider the cradle mm. of life five movies oh but two are okay. speed and twister his first two god bless god bless yon demont not the first time i've said that um <laughs> Okay, uh, uh, De Palma. Do we have any other thoughts? Because I there's also a thing with De Palma where I feel like, you know, he historically is linked with like that like group of you know '70s auteur directors like Spielberg, Coppola, Scorsese, De Palma. Uh, but he he feels like the one of all of them that kind of like, you know, hasn't. Um, I just don't know about him. He's not like a household. He's a household name, but like, I. I, I his movies, I truly, I like, what are his movies? I know blowout, like, it's all like underdogs, like stuff. I feel like a little bit where it's not as, sure. no, it's not a Spielberg. It's Scarface. He did Scarface, right? Right, 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 right. That's so call. I, I'm sure there's some cinephiles out there. Hopefully listening to our podcast. They're a little uh, appalled at our take. They on should, this. I they, do feel like it's generally be, yeah. a blind spot for me. Um, Unfortunately me too. I've yeah. seen untouchables. I've seen blowout. Of course. I've seen, of course. Uh, Mission Impossible, and I've seen Scarface. Forgot about Unsaid, yeah, yeah. I forgot about Untouchables. A similar movie, similar stuff. His style is like very specific, and like, yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay, so we are at. Uh, do you have anything for MVP? I had the, the Dutch angle. Um, yeah, you're <laughs> you got an MVP. Um. My MVP is the floppy disk. Ooh, good call. No, but I think I think I would actually give my MVP to uh Kitridge. I think he like is Lovely. a great he's he's like a great uh foil in this movie because he's sort yeah. of like stuffy office guy, but he's like kind of one step ahead. But then actually like mm-hmm. John Voight is actually the antagonist of the movie. Um, but I just loved all his scenes basically like every time, whatever he was doing, it was weird, but I was into it. Yes. Okay. I, I just really quickly, and this is not to put you on the spot. This is more to like illustrate a point. Do you know what happened in this movie? Like what the actual plot is? Cause I will fully admit I don't, but I'm also not a huge plot guy. <laughs> That's true. You're not generally the plot guy out of this. I, <laughs> I, I was surprisingly uh, flummoxed at what was going on at certain points. Okay. But I do feel like if I watched it again right now, I could like get my head around it. I mean, it's basically confusing because it's always like Ethan is always actually one step ahead of the conversation yeah. he's having. Right. And then, so you're like trying right. to remember like what Ethan actually knows plus what he's pretending he knows at this moment, which yeah, creates yeah, like yeah. a confusing um, story. Also, I, I read that this script was like being written on the fly. Like the script was not yeah. done while they were shooting. So they were like literally like getting pages the day they were shooting. And you do feel like yeah. you do feel that a little bit. So no, I, I I'm a plot guy and I was, uh, and I was flummoxed on what the hell was going on in this movie. 
Yeah, the the second that I read that the, the they didn't have a completed script when they when they started production, I was like, that answers all my questions. Like that is exactly you. Can, yeah, you can feel that in every every piece of this movie. Amazing that it doesn't get in the way of this movie being awesome. Um, kudos to everyone involved. What's your LVP? Oh, LVP. Um. um I mean, we already talked about John Voight. Um, oh gosh, LVP is, um, I will say, um, fudge. I need time. What do you got? Do you have something? <laughs> I, I don't, I, 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 okay, I'll think under, then. Underprepared, under, under but no, LVP is, um, I'll say it's. I was gonna say John Voight is my LVP. Yeah, mostly I mean, that believing is, that, is the answer. that Emmanuel Bayard is John Voight's wife. That suspension yeah. of belief was too much for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as we're saying this, it is kind of like solidifying in my mind. Like, man, this movie, like has very few weak spots like it it clips along at a nice pace yeah i mean if hmm. uh, yeah i don't i don't think i have i the the the, the 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 when it cuts to the helicopter in the tunnel i will say okay. i i was like ah, okay i was like all right but again you know you take it you what take it you as do? they uh they deal yeah um, a double feature. I yeah. What do, I, what do you I, have for this? So I, I I usually I will I feel like my picks for this are pretty inspired. At least I consider them pretty inspired. Yeah. This I was kind of I was I was coming up with nothing. I felt like I mean to watch this and Mission Impossible two just those two movies is like a wild uh uh you know I think it would break people's necks with how like different they are. Sure. Um, also in, in quality, uh, not just in in the fucking heat that's coming off the screen. Um, yeah, but I think like maybe I don't know, maybe like a, a, a I've okay, this is me pulling something out of my own ass, but I've never seen uh, the movie The Conversation, but I feel like everything I know about the movie The Conversation, and that being it's like a paranoia paranoid thriller. I feel like maybe this would be a nice uh, du- double feature between these two movies. Um, oh, not bad, yeah. not bad. That's I have seen the conversation. That's not a bad one. Um, okay, I was I was kind of stuck on going with like something similar, like basically Goldeneye, which was I think a year before, and just going oh, like yeah. all spy, all European espionage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was thinking about the Hitchcock thing, and Ooh, I'm gonna go with good. North yep. by Northwest. Dude, really good. Nice. That's nice. That's really nice. That's really good. Excellent, Thanks, man. Man, so, I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see that double feature. Yeah, there we go. All right. I mean, you usually that's beat good. me in this, so I'm glad I got a good one. No, man. You know, you you that's that you, you won handily this time. Um. Okay. Legacy. Uh. This is good. I feel like this is a remembered but forgotten movie. That like. Mission Impossibles are like a a type of movie that like 
defi have defied expectations of like the fact that we're getting a seventh mission impossible on paper it's like oh my god they're cling what are they clinging to and yet each time they're borderline better than the last one and it's just so it's such a pleasing satisfying they've been like they're like the for my money the most consistent um consistent like uh enjoyable popcorn blockbusters it's just I, I love seeing a new Mission Impossible. Sure, I really like like the last three Mission Impossibles. I can't say that I'm mm -hmm. like a huge fan of the uh, of the franchise, and I'm not someone that's like checking when the new one's coming out. But when it's in theaters, like I'll go check them out, and I'm usually pretty impressed by the spectacle mm -hmm. that comes with them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Legacy is Legacy is this uh, this franchise that this movie kicked off, and yeah, the fact that we're getting one every two or three years still to this day. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's been, it, it was like really nice rewatching this movie to like go back to the source because it is so different from what the franchise has become and the stride that it's found and, and the formula. And it's a great formula that it's found. Um, it's, it's just, it, I, I'm hard pressed to think of another Hollywood franchise that has this flavor to it where it starts off as one thing and then just like, unapologetically evolves into something else. I mean, Fast and the Furious is maybe close to similar to this where it's like, it started off as one thing. And then like over the course of like three or four movies was like, Oh, 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 it's like this. Okay. That's what we're going to do then. And, and then it just like takes off running with like, yeah, it, it's good that you brought that up, but I feel like had it not started this way with a right. little bit more cinematic thing going on, it wouldn't have been able to flourish into like the absolute, spectacle that it is now but 100 percent, uh, you know legacy i'll just like it's just it's 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 a really odd movie because i like i said i feel like in a vacuum it's not a good movie or you you pull the three set pieces out like it's kind of incoherent mm -hmm. the acting is yep. like pretty weird um mm -hmm. and yeah but somehow the combination of like it being centered around these set pieces and the, the 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 franchise that has come from it, it it like gives it it gives it more strength in hindsight. Does that make sense? Like it's better twenty five years later, or it seems it seems more important twenty five years later than I think if this was a single film that come out this year. I don't know if we'd be talking about it. Great, great point. Hadn't thought about this angle of things, and I think you're totally right. I think it would be a weird, dated movie if this was the only one that came out, like if it didn't have have the sequels, 100%. And to your point, what you just said a couple sentences ago, this is like the grounded source that was necessary for like, okay, we're going to take it to a crazier place later. Uh, you're totally right, where this is like the necessary groundedness that, it, that the franchise needs, just as Fast and the Furious needed before it like okay we're gonna take this to to space um good stuff man any loose threads or anything we didn't cover that you that you wrote down or wanted to talk do about you, do you remember if this was your top five i it was a few months ago that we actually did 96 it was a few few months ago let me check my notes uh i believe i had it on my yeah top five i think it was fifth it was fifth okay you have um, there you know I think it could be removed. Oh, wow. See, you're mostly I mean, I, glowing for this entire podcast yeah, and then now kicking it off. Well, 
I don't. Here's a, it is tricky because I do love this movie, and uh, you know, uh, the, my feelings of it are evident in how we've how, what I've said about it. But I do have this feeling of like, oh, like I think when I put this on my top five, my Mount Rushmore, I, I was like, I was like kind of like fighting for it, like a little bit, where it's like, no, this is important because like maybe as a standalone movie, it wasn't great, but what it like, the echoes that we're still feeling from it are like relevant and it's powerful. But you know. I don't know. It feels like a little like if I'm being in my heart of hearts, is it a top five from 96? I don't think so. But that also being said, I don't know what I would replace it with, which is also odd of me to say. Um, yeah. I mean, so, now that we're know. saying it, like we seem to be like, I, maybe we're giving too much credit to the franchise that it kicked off because like, yeah, I fucking mm-hmm. like Mission Possibles. I go to see all of them, but mm-hmm. it's not like, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that it's like some just like absolute staple in cinema history either. That Staple in cinema history, yeah, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I haven't even really thought about that. But I will say I do love the Mission Impossible movie. Like the, like I, I since Ghost Protocol, I, I like it, it's been like I've looked forward to them. I've seen them all multiple times. I like really, it, to me, they hold a very unique place in being like what they're trying to do. Like they just like it's like we're we're this is a big blockbuster popcorn movie that like has real a lot of real stunts like i can't think of another even not even franchise but types of movies that try to do and do what the mission impossible movies do i like kind of referencing i won't be on my soapbox too much longer but kind of referencing earlier my thoughts on tom cruise and what i how i like that he's how he uses his like really stratospheric position to like make movies and give audiences something real and unique and special and intentional Mission Impossible movies are the are are, are the, the biggest example of that and I, and it, it's like that's such a special rare thing in the contemporary like cinematic landscape I feel like that like I really do relish I do like I you know I have been following like man the new Mission Impossible movies are have been delayed again they're not coming out until 2023 now like I do follow that and like I'm stoked for the new Top Gun movie like cuz I know that like it's going to be in that vein and so I think like, you know, um, I think I maybe lost my train of thought here, but I like the, the the cinema history. Yeah, I don't know. But I like I like that. I'm like, oh, I'm going to see Top Gun. I'm going to see Mission Impossible in a theater. And I know it's going to like it's designed to like be viewed that way. And it's going to at least try and probably succeed in giving me like a really great experience. Sure. I, there. I think we agree on that. I guess I was just I was speculating that you had Mission Impossible in your top five, partly because of the franchise that it's kicked off and i'm just saying like it's not like my life would be different if there weren't mission impossibles as much as i, I got like you them. i got you and i think i think despite what i just said i think like yeah I- I'm-, I'm with you there i yeah i like the the ray of hope that the mission impossibles kind of um give but i'm with you i did not have this in my top five i'm sorry for that i didn't i didn't reciprocate the question I, but i do remember yeah and I had Independence Day at number five. Okay, so how do you feel about this? I thought going into this that I might kick Mission Impossible, uh, Independence Day off in favor of Mission Impossible, but somehow I'm going to leave Independence Day there because I feel like... I'm going to leave Independence Day there. Maybe we should watch okay. Independence Day. Maybe maybe after seeing Independence Day, then I'll make room for Mission Possible. But I just remember it a little bit more like complete of a movie than this is. Okay. Mission uh Independence Day would be a nice uh 
double would feature. be a nice deep dive. Okay. <laughs> double feature too. Both, I mean, Independence Day is long if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen Independence Day in years. And I feel like that's a, a legacy movie. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. If you have a moment and enjoyed the show, you can leave us a good good review. It goes a long way. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you agree with us, disagree with us, especially about that De Palma shit that we went off on, uh, or have your own hot takes, please send us an email or a voice memo to theoscarwent2 at gmail.com. And if we think you're onto something, we might just play it on an upcoming episode. Also, if you have a film you'd like us to talk about, we're currently doing 1996. We're also uh, might be doing some emergency deep dives, which are kind of movies that are irrelevant of the year they came out. They're just movies that we kind of want to talk about together. So if you have any recommendations for what would make a good uh, deep dive for us, whether you love it, whether you hate it, uh, just just email or voice memo that to us, and uh, we may consider it for our next deep dive. Max, as always, a true pleasure. Could have talked uh, another hour or two um, with you. It's been real, dude. It has. See you next time. Bye. Thank you.